0: listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So as we have been studying, we've been going through a study of the book of Luke. And uh, it's kind of funny cuz when I I like to Reuse my old uh, files and stuff on my computer, and and and, or just recall the format and update it for what I'm doing. And and when I pulled up uh, my one from last year, when when we had done the swap uh, last year, I was teaching out of Luke chapter five a year ago. So we 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 spent quite a bit of time now in in the book of Luke. We're 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 now. We're we're now in Luke sixteen, um, you know. Just as as a kind of a funny thought, I think we've st- spent more time in Luke than Luke did, but uh, but it, it is a great study uh, of God's word. It, you know, all the, I mean because it's loaded up, and Jesus teaches with many parables in this in this book in this writing, and uh, there's so much for us just to take in and just to chew on and to apply to our lives, and that's what. So I enjoy the study that we've been able to to do. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the in Luke 16. If you have a smart device and wish to follow along with you version, uh, just open up the app. You can go to the live section, and you can pull up the text and you can pull up the notes that that uh, that I created. And actually, uh, as I said, I reused my format. And when I first sent it to Janie. I realized that on some of it. I had left Luke five, and I noticed it as I was looking over it again. I thought, "Oh, this is going to be confusing because we're not, we're not in Luke five anymore." I was making sure I had the verses in right, but f- forgot to double check my, my my chapter. But just to kind of get us into this into this chapter in Luke sixteen, you know, there are there, some commentators have made a comment that that some consider this. Parable that we're going to be talking about today—one of the one of the more difficult ones to to understand because in it, and we'll see it as we get into it. It seems like we stop and we we think and we look and we're like, okay, wait a minute—did he just praise someone for doing wrong? And you know, and sometimes we can, uh, upon first reading it, and we think, is that what's really going on here? But as we're going to discover today what Jesus intended uh, with his text and in, in writing through his servant Luke here. Um, most of you know, if you don't know, I am also have been a teacher for, for a few years uh, here at our school. And in one of the classes that I've uh, been in mostly in my time here at OCA is uh, teaching everybody's favorite subject, and that is algebra. Correct. Everybody loves algebra. Not so much, right? And I know that I go I, I go into each year with my students, and I'm like, I get it. You're sitting here right now, and, and you you will ask the question, as all students tend to do, at some point. When will I use this? Why? Why do I need to know? Why did they put letters in with numbers? What why did all this happen? Uh, but, but we just take it and we just, we just, you know, we, we break it, start breaking it off into small pieces. And, and as, even as I look around, I see some of my students that I've had over the years. And the way that I like to teach algebra is I just like to, just to get a foundation and just go, just these small chunks. You know, any of my students knows that this is the way I will do it. If we're starting with some new concept, something that's we're building on in a chapter we'll get introduced to it and then we just kind of start piece one we'll, we'll work it out together i'll turn around to the class everybody's you know following along great then we'll get to step two we'll work it out together I'll, I'll check in for for visual confirmation that everybody's with me yeah okay so so we're good and then we'll get to the next set. And this may be the one that's, you know, got the little tricks in it or the, or the, the upside down stuff. And, when, and then I'll turn around and it's like stairs or just, what just happened? Okay, I, I, I was with you until here. And then, then that tells me as a teacher, all right, we're going to rewind. And we're going to, we're going to just break it off into these small pieces and then we're building together that way because because as a teacher i don't want to leave anyone behind i don't want anyone to be confused we're going to work on it together and we're going to keep just building and building and and i've even had some students because with algebra you know sometimes you can get it get it together then all of a sudden something else is thrown in and it just changes everything i remember i had some students once i believe it was in the taylor's class when i when i taught them and and they would be like, oh, this is easy, Mr. Shannon. We got this. I'm like, okay, now take your notes, flip them over. Now let, let's try something different with this. Oh, we knew it was too easy. Too good to be true. So I say all that to say this. As we get into this text of Luke 16, we need to, one, make sure we, we identify who, who is Jesus talking to in this text? What is he addressing? And we need to just take it line by line, piece by piece, because this can be one of those chapters that you read through and then you get to the end or, or to a stopping point, scratching our heads and thinking, okay, what did he, what did he just say? What? And I got confused and, you know, yeah, I started out okay understanding it, but then, I don't know, it just seems like it, in my brain, it went sideways. So we want to avoid any of that. We want to just take it and, and just really look at what Jesus is, is saying here. And I, I I'll go ahead and apologize. I do have, a, I think, allergies going on. So my throat has been kind of dry. So just bear with me. If you see me just having to take the water, just, it's okay. We'll just take a break. All right. In this parable, and it's called the, it's often referred to as the, the unjust steward. So the first question is, what, what's the steward or or the manager? Who who are we talking about in this text? And the, the manager in, in the concept of, of what we're talking about here was the 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 guy that was put in place of the entire business, the entire household. Now he had his master, he had his boss that was the owner of all of it. But this guy was was the one who who checked in and did all the day-to-day activities. He he took care of the, the selling, the, the, the accounts payables, the accounts receivables. He, he did all, all of that. Now, another guy that we can kind of think about in the same capacity of his job was, was Joseph in the Old Testament. We know that when Joseph was sold into Egypt, he was brought into Potiphar's house, and God allowed Joseph to find favor in Potiphar's house, and he became manager or in charge of, of the household. So it's the same idea here. Potiphar was the owner. He was, he was the big boss man. And, and Joseph took care of all the day-to-day ins and outs of the house and the business. And eventually, we, you know, the same thing. When he got brought up into Pharaoh's household, he was brought in, in charge of all, of all of Egypt under Pharaoh. So that's kind of the capacity that we find our, our, our fellow here. he he, he's doing that job and he's been in that position and it's a pretty big position for him I mean if we think about some guy who maybe he got to wear the special hat you know or or you know a a certain certain maybe a necklace or something that identified him in his position but as we see here he's going to find that his life is about to change uh, drastically for him And at first, we're just going to look at the steward, and we're just going to kind of break down what happens to him. So if you want to read with me, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16 and uh, verse 1. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Not exactly starting out as a good day for this fellow. So the boss, he's here, he's hearing reports. He's like, okay, I don't know where the reports come from, and, but he's like, okay, I, I'm hearing that you've been spending my money wrongfully. You've been wasting my stuff. You've been mismanaging things. Maybe you've been using my money for personal, personal gain, whatever it was. The boss, the master said, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to get your reports in order. You're going to turn everything in, and then you're going to be fired. You're going to walk away. You're losing your position. So if we wanted to put it in modern terms, we could say, okay, the, the master was saying, okay, we're, we're bringing in forensic accountants they are going to come in and they're just going to go through your books extremely thoroughly, taken apart piece by piece, finding out what happened, where the money went, when did it start? And we hear about stories about this sometimes in today, right? We hear stories about people embezzling money and taking things that doesn't belong to them and, and that's what happened here with this guy. So the steward found himself in quite a predicament because everything that he had was about to be, about to be gone. And during this time, it wasn't, usually it was more common for the manager, the guy to be actually part of and in the household. You know, the, the, the boss had his, his apartments in the big house and things like that. And in the, and the manager, if not in the house, but adjacent to it, was also there, living living kind of within the same household. So he he was getting ready just to lose everything: his house, ever you know, his, his ability to live there, his income, his uh, kind of his prestige in the in the community, who who the people kind of saw him as, because now people are going to be viewing him as. This guy who really messed up over here with his, with his master and, and no, or, you know he may want to get another job, but he didn't do a good job over here, so why would we hire him over here? So this is what was happening. And the steward, the manager, as we read in the next two verses, this is, this is his reaction when he begins to really process what's going on. He says, the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Oh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he was just kind of sitting there, and he's thinking. He's like, okay, I don't know how old this man is, but he he, he self-identifies and saying, look, I, I can't go out and do manual labor Maybe he maybe he just wasn't physically able to do it. I don't know. And he says, and I'm too proud to just go and just beg for money. But then he gets to thinking, because remember this guy? I mean, I don't know how long he was getting away with mismanaging his master's money, but he obviously knew how to work the system a little bit. He knew what to do. And so he comes up with a plan. He says, wait a minute. I can still do something. While I'm still technically I've not been fired yet, because I'm still getting my reports together to give to to the master. So while I still have this little window of opportunity, let me come up let me come up with a plan that will benefit me. I think I can still use this to protect me. So this is what he does. This is how he he comes up with A plan to protect uh, himself. He says, so he invited, I'm in verse five, so he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And then, how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now, we're given an account here in these two verses of two conversations for, for two guys that owe money to the master. But if we look, it says he invited each person that owed money. So we can kind of Gather from what we've been given that you know we were only told what he did with two guys, but there's probably several of them that he he brought in now, why would he do this? Was it because he was wanting to just get back at his master? It's like, well, you know while I still have the power and authority i can I can do this, and i'll show him he just he can't fire me no he he wasn't thinking about that he was thinking about self preservation and self interest for how he was going to be able to continue living in the city in the world with everything that he had was taken away, so he brought these guys in, and, and we 're dealing with some wealthy people here, you know depending on the source, if we look at how much was owed and how much was taken away, you know we 're looking at at somewhere around maybe two years worth of wages at minimum of what was owed to the master so an average worker it would take them minimum of two years to to be the same amount that was just reduced off their contract off their bill that's a lot of money I think wouldn't it be if if what would we do if you know if if the bank that we have our mortgage at they called us up and said hey will you please come in and and Mr. Shannon, we just we just like you so much. We're going to cut your mortgage in half. You would, they would have to call an ambulance because I would be on the floor, not you know I, you know, or I would, or I would go the other direction and looking for the camera because they're videoing this to get my reaction and it's going to go all up on YouTube and stuff. And they're going, hey, look at that crazy guy. I thought he was going to get a mortgage cut in half. But that, I mean, but that's essentially what happened here. Or, or let's say you owe money for your car and you're paying the bank and the bank comes in and says, you've been, you're such a great guy. We like you so much. You know, we're just going to go ahead and give you your title. It's paid off, paid in full. Go enjoy, be blessed. Has that ever happened to anyone? It's, it's, It's never happened to me. But if it did, now let's say that the the guy who called me in and made the decision for that mortgage to cut my mortgage in half, and I find out it's real, I'm gonna be going to that fella or that lady, and I'm gonna be like, I don't know why you did this, but you're not my favorite person, and, and, and you wanna come over for supper, but come on, come meet, meet the rest of the family. We, um, you know, I, we don't, I don't know why why we, what happened for us to deserve this, but, but uh, whatever made the decision for you is like, okay, you're awesome this is great. And that's what this manager was banking on. Because these were some wealthy guys, some wealthy debtors that were coming in. They owed his master some money. And he's like, okay, I'm about to be fired. I'm about to have no money at all. So the last thing I can really do here while I still have authority is to secure myself. I'm going to get in good favor with these guys. I'm going to get in, and they're going to like me after what I'm about to do. Because he wrote off these bills for him. He, he said, "Take that off." No, no, let's cut this in half, and, and let's take that off. And you remember, you remember, my friend, it was me. I'm the one who did this for you. Okay. You, now you keep that in mind, right? Okay. Now, if I now just remember, if I ever need anything, you, you just we're going. You take care of me, okay? That that's what was going on with his in his mind. Now some may say, now wait a minute. There's even some debate uh, among what he actually did here. Some say, well, well, maybe he there was upcharge on all this stuff, and he was really just making it right. Or maybe maybe the master had broken the law and had been charging an interest, and he was making it right. No, th- this guy was just looking for self-preservation here. And the master when he found out, and we're about to look at his reaction, he couldn't exactly go back to these guys and say, no, you owe the full amount because that would make him look bad. And now he still has to keep up business. He still has to keep up the way his people perceive him in the community. He didn't want to be the guy that all of a sudden just come out looking like the jerk in the story. So he just had to, okay, well, it is what it is. And let's look at what he says. If we look in verse, verse eight, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. The rich man had to admire that dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. I mean, the rich man sat back and he's just like, well played, well played. Yeah, I, I can't do anything here, because if I try to step into it, I'm going to be the bad guy. If I try to to go in and say, you know, this guy's he's about to be fired, he shouldn't you shouldn't have even been listening to him. But he didn't do that. Instead, he was like, "Well played, my friend. You're about to lose all you have here in my household, but you just made a bunch of friends." In in in, the, in town here, so yeah, it. I think you're going to be able to have a nice bed to lay your head, probably every night, because you really just just helped all these fellas out. That that was a plan, right? The manager thought of a way that he could protect his foreseeable future. He found a way that he could protect himself and even the boss guy is like pretty smart pretty pretty smart plan now was he probably overly happy about it no but he had to acknowledge that that it it was well played and jesus goes on to say and it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them then they are the children of the lot. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Now, wait a minute. Now, this is one of those, okay, we're, we're having to line by line and think about what Jesus is saying here because who did we learn about last week we learned about the prodigal son right what did the prodigal son do he he asked for his father's inheritance he took the earthly possessions that was now his and he went and used it to what what does it say in 16 here's a let use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends but is that what jesus is talking about like kind of like the prodigal son because wait a minute, he took his father's inheritance and he went out, he benefited these guys that became his friends and he did make friends, but he ended up in a bad position because that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus isn't talking about investing our resources into the earthly things. He's saying that we need to realize we need to be investing in the eternal things, the things of God's kingdom. Now, for us to, to really proceed in this, we need to have an understanding of what it means for us as stewards for God, as stewards, as followers for Christ. You and I have been put in charge to manage God's property that he has allowed us to have. Now sometimes in church we can get into this idea that you know when we think about the law and we think about what was commanded, uh, you know, the people were to bring in their ten percent of their of their crops and, and the things that they had to give to God, and that, that is something that we continue with in today's church also, right? To support God's ministry, ten percent. But I think sometimes people get confused and they think, Okay, well, God is only for the 10%. Then that means that the rest of it is for me to do what I want to with. But no, under the, in the New Testament, under the grace and the new covenant, we know that all that we have is God's. All the, the, the house that I live in really belongs to God. My name may be on the legal documents, but that's God's house. For me, the car that I drive is I'm managing property for God. Money that I may have in the account is God's. I've been assigned to be a manager of those things. And to faithfully deal with what God has entrusted to me in my life. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you know, this, this bad manager over here, this unjust steward, this guy who's just this, uh, this, this rascal, he came up with a plan that would protect his immediate future, what he could see. He would probably have a place to put his head at night, and he would be able to, to maintain probably a, a good reputation among the people even when the news got out of what he had really done but but hey he could maintain a good reputation and what jesus is saying here he's saying that same idea we should be just as willing to invest in the eternal things you know Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah, it says that when god is like our shepherd protecting us and saving us and we would be like, like jewels in the crown on this land. We would be like jewels in the crown on this land. We hear about the in, in God's word that, that in, in heaven how it's built and the, the beauty and the wonder and, and the streets of what? Streets of gold. The the walls and the gates. Just made with these precious stones and things, and 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 we we read about that, and we when we take all that and we, we we convert that to how we look at this stuff earthly, God is basically saying, okay, the gold that that's so valued here, you're going to be walking on it in heaven. It kind of shifts priorities a little bit, right? You know, so in the, in this world we have. Uh, people who, if you go to a bookstore, or if you, um, anywhere really, there's all kinds of, of new strategies about how to get wealth. Would you agree with that? There's all kinds of books out there. There's all kinds of teaching strategies. There's conferences. There's things like, hey, we can show you how to earn wealth. We can show you how to 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 get rich quick we can show you how to how to manage in these schemes over here and really really earn some money and 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 we know that we know that it's that you know there's all this stuff out there (coughs) excuse me but but jesus tells us that what you need to be invested in are the eternal things now now one image that comes to mind as as people as we start getting into success and measuring success, a lot of time a lot of times it's referred to as climbing the ladder, right? We understand what that, that principle means. You get into a job and you start out in maybe a lower position, but you're ambitious and, and you don't want to stay in that position. You want to get into a higher position because in that higher position, maybe there's there's a bigger salary that's attached to it there's more to do with it and 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 so we we kind of get into this thing well we start climbing the corporate ladder or we start climbing that ladder getting higher and higher earning more and more having more and more success but i think it we get to a point where we sit there and and maybe we we've climbed a few a few steps of that ladder and and we, we, we stand there and we look around for where we came from and maybe where we can still go. And, but when we look at God's word, sometimes we can think, we, we make a, a real drastic realization. That maybe this entire time, the ladder's been leaning up against the wrong wall. Have you ever thought about that? That the, the world has told us that, no, we got to have this, we got to have that, we got to do that. If we want to be successful, based upon the criteria and standards of this world, this is what we have to have. This is how we need to climb. But what Jesus is teaching here is, no, it's you're aiming toward the wrong thing. You're climbing a ladder against this wall when I need you to be... Investing in this over here, the eternal things, so what does that look like when we invest into god 's kingdom, when we give of ourselves when we when we give give of the the money that that 's his that we manage back into god 's church and god 's ministries, when we give our talents, when we give ourselves to for God's purposes. Because remember, all that we have is His. Right? Can we agree on that? All that we have is His. We simply are managers of it. We're simply just the ones that are watching over it. He says, think about the eternal things. So how are we investing what we have one day, whenever it's going to be, this body will be dead. I'll be dead. And they're going to take me and and they'll drop me into the ground. They'll, they'll cover me over with dirt. And that's going to be it. I'm not going to be able to take anything with me. Right? None, nothing materialistic. Nothing, you know. I certainly can't take any cash with me really don't need it. I'm not going to be able to take any of my... Maybe I have something that, that belongs to me, you know, uh, that I just love. I, it's not going to be able to go with me. I'm not going to be able to take the successes in this world with me. Maybe my title or, or anything like that. that. That's not going to go. But what is going to go is how i what i invested in in god's kingdom maybe even just being willing to go into say god here i am let me witness to this this person and that person becomes saved and becomes a follower of christ now where are they going to be in heaven right So we can invest in the kingdom in a way that it reaps eternal benefits. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. That makes sense, right? If we've been faithful managing smaller things then we're going to, when we add something to it, something larger maybe, we're gonna, we can also be faithful with that. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? If you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? This makes sense. Because if, if I'm being honest and, and taking care of, of this little portion that's been allotted to me. Then God's saying, okay, you, you've, done, you've done well with this. I can use you here. It's, it's a little bit bigger opportunity. Maybe there's a little bit more to it. But you, you've done well with this. I believe you're going to do well with this. But on the other hand, if we have been just really messed up this small amount over here, maybe we've we've been dishonest. We've mismanaged it. We, we just have not taken care of it. Then God's saying, okay, you know, I really can't move you into anything more because this, this hasn't worked out very well. If you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I believe we can probably also agree that money can be very tricky. If we allow ourselves to be influenced by things, sometimes we can get into a, a habit in a situation where we just we're just falling along with what the world is telling us, we need to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate more and more and more wealth. But the whole point of this is Jesus is saying, but where your focus needs to be is on work for the kingdom. I don't need your ladder up against that wall. I need your ladder up against this wall, making, making headway, making, making ground on this side of things. Because this is this is all going to go away. This, the things of this earth are, are going to, are just are going to go away. I need you investing your time, gifts, talents, and things over here for the work of the kingdom. No one can serve two masters. You're either going to love one, despise the other. Or it's going to flip. So what Jesus is saying here, what is really... Which wall do you have your, the ladder leaning against? Because you, you can't have it both ways. You're either going to be working for the kingdom and being creative and planning and and thinking along eternal things, or you're you're going to be over here putting this temporary earthly things as your first priority. Can't have both. Now, now wait a minute, are you saying that we can't have money and do eternal things? No, that's not what he's saying here. He's talking about what's our where's our focus? Who have we put on the front burner in our lives? Are we more in, are we invested more in the eternal kingdom of God or are we trying to secure a temporary dwelling here? Jesus is saying where is your focus at? Where's your mind at? Now in this part, now we get to the audience that was there hearing all this. Because up until now, he had been telling all this to his disciples. And the lovely group that we know as the Pharisees were there in attendance. Kind of probably... Sitting around listening, also. And they were hearing all this. Verse 14 says, The Pharisees who dearly loved their money. Okay, let's just stop there for a moment and think about what that looks like. Who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. So they're, they're, okay, now wait a minute. We're, you know, the, we we consider ourselves the, uh, the the princes, if we if you want to call them that, the the upper deck kind of kind of people, that you know the, this wealthy elite group, and they're hearing everything Jesus is saying, and they're like, giving the eye roll, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." Then he said to them, "You like to appear righteous in public." But God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. So these, these are a group of people who, based on what we understand about them they, and Jesus' conversations with them, they like to go out and they love to talk the talk. They love to show that they were... Just this, you know, this this pious, this, this humble, this, oh, people of uh, lower people underneath us. Look at us. Look Look how we are humble. Look how God has blessed us with earthly wealth. Because in their mind, the more earthly wealth you had, the more blessed you were by God. Look at who we are. And Jesus, just in his own way that he can do it, he just kind of cut straight through all that. And he says, but God knows your hearts. Because what you're putting out on the outside right now, I know is not what's going on on the inside. What you're trying to show the people isn't matching up here. Oh, you're putting on a good show, but your heart has been deceived. But your heart is not leaning against the right wall. You're trying to make yourself a prince in this world. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And he goes on to tell me, he says, until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your gods. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. As one thing, I, I read different articles, and, and I'll, I'll confess, you know, when I, when I read articles from, from different groups, and I think, oh, that's the, the writer of this article. He, he, he really raised up a lot of good points. Now let me go into the comments and, and read some reactions. We do that, right? We, we, we kind of go there. It's the, and it's always, every time I see a certain comment, it always just gets me. It always throws me off when, when it, you know, it could be some back and forth. And then someone will come up or several people will come up and like, well, that, that is the old. That is the, you know, that is the law referring to the Old Testament. And then, I, then I, every time I see those things, I kind of follow and look, and I think, "Yeah, but we can't just dismiss it because we say it's old or in the Old Testament or, or in the previous or in the law." When we see that, or when we read the, all that that God has has done from Genesis to Malachi, we see that as promises—the promise of the One who, who was to come. I, I I can't help it, but anytime when we when I study the Old Testament, I read through it every. I see so much imagery and foretelling of Jesus, the Son of God, who was going to come to this earth to pay the debt for our sins, the one who was going to be able to take the law and actually complete it, pay for it, do what what the law demanded the law said that we were we were lost we were sinners death was required jesus says has taken all that and he says i am paying the debt for you he paid the debt for me So it, when when I read over things, that, you know, when I see those comments, I think we can't just dismiss it because that shows the reason why we needed a savior. That that shows us who we are in relation to God Almighty, and, and God is saying, "I have sent my only begotten Son. I have sent Him to die on the cross to pay the sin debt." but we know the story doesn't end there we know that on that third day he rose again defeating death, hell and the grave and now he says anyone who will believe in Christ and Christ alone in his finished work on the cross can and will be saved to know that he Completed it. He finished it for us. Something that I know I couldn't do. No one could accomplish it except for him that was perfect, who lived perfectly, who lived without sin to be that pure, perfect Lamb of God, the sacrifice. It takes away the sins of the world. He says, it's easier for the world to dissolve and go away than the smallest letter of any of that to be dissolved. And then we get into this next part. And and, and I'll admit, when when we read over this, sometimes, you know, in, in verse 18, it it's almost like, okay, as we've been reading, okay, I'm, I'm falling along. I got it figured out. I might have had to rewind a little bit, but now I get it. And then also when we get in verse 18 and it's like, okay, then wait a minute. We're all a some time about marriage. Where did that come from? We were talking about wealth and, and stewardship. And, but it says, for example, a man who divorces his wife and marries someone else. Commits adultery, and anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. So, why all of a sudden this this bringing in of this you know just a really quick comment about marriage and divorce and adultery? Because we know that that under that the the law of the time allowed for divorce. But Jesus again is is wanting to look past the the first curtain, and, and let's look, let's look at the, what we're really talking about here. He's talking about commitment. He's saying that we need to honor our commitments. To the Pharisees, he was saying, "Okay, you." you You've, you've gone all sideways in the way that you're thinking and the way that you're living. Even to the point that you are not honoring your your commitments to the one who, who you say you serve, to the one who, who you say you're the example of to the community. You're not you're not following through. You're not you, you put it on a show, but your heart's not in it not not for not for the eternal things. Jesus is telling, them, honor your commitments. just because you can doesn't mean you should if it means that you're setting aside what God wants you to do. So as we close just just some ideas just some just some thoughts. Jesus warned that we can become s- slaves to money. Right? I say we we can we can think about that and we can we can agree with that. We can say it, it can be easy for us to keep our ladder against the, the, this wall over here and just keep just just trying to do the things that Money wants us to do he says don't don't let it don 't let it become your master. How we handle money reveals much about our priorities you know if if for any of us i would I will say this is true that if we really want to show someone where we place our priorities in our lives, then look look at our checkbooks. Look at our budget. Is that not true? How we prioritize our lives is really demonstrated by the way we, we, we spend money by the way we, we we manage our own finances and, and business and things like that ourselves I I think it's true. If someone ever said, well well Michael, what what did, what do you value in life or what do you what do you set up as priorities? Well this, you know, what well, why why do I why do I spend money on why, why do I why do I go for? It can be a really good indicator. All that to ask this question are we investing into God's eternal kingdom? Have we made the commitment that, or, or maybe we've realized, you know, Lord, I, I I real, you know, I'm I'm noticing that. This whole time I've, I've been leaning up against this wall and, and I've been more concerned about the earthly things and I've been more concerned about a lot of things that is one day it, it's, it's not going to matter. But I need to put my focus on, on this side. I need to be faithful in the call that you've placed on my life. And to all of our lives to go and to reach and teach and tell others the good news. To invest time and money and resources into the building of God's kingdom. To invest in, in, in those things that is spreading the good news. Because... I can't take my, I'm not going to take my checkbook with me. I'm not going to take my house with me. I'm not going to take my car with me. I'm not going to take those things with me cuz they're all just going to eventually just be nothing. But the things that that I can work for and work toward are making sure that, that my sons are there with me. And praise God, I can say they will be. Making sure that one day when if the Lord blesses me with grandchildren, that they are raised in the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God, so that one day they can be saved. Neighbors and friends, that, that those are the jewels and God's in the crown. He says, lay your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust will not corrupt it. Sometimes we just got to remember what is the treasure and think about it. Where do our priorities lie? And if you're here this morning and maybe this is the first time you've heard anything and you're like, you know, I, I've never I want to know more about this good news that you're talking about. I want to know more about this Jesus who 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 died for my sins. Well, you can know that today. You can learn more. If you're here today and you're just you're just anxious, and maybe your heart, your spirit's just been stirred, and you just want to. You just want to know more about Jesus. Well, don't leave without learning. Please don't leave. We got a whole bunch of folks here who will gladly say, "Let me tell you more about my Jesus." Or maybe you're here this morning and and you're like Magua, I'm I'm a follower of Christ, but you know, I've realized that I've been I've been focused on some things and. And I've allowed it to consume my time. I've allowed it to consume my resources. I've allowed it to consume a lot of who I am, and 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 I've gotten out of out of sync. Well, it's, it's not too late. to move that ladder and get refocused. Aren't we blessed that we, we, we serve a God who says, it's okay, this is where you are right now. Now let me help you get back where I need you to be, back into the business of the kingdom. Not just something we do on Sundays, but something we do every day. What did Jesus reply to the, to the teachers in the temple? Or, I'm sorry, when he was there with the teachers of the temple and, and mom, and they come in, they're like, Jesus, we finally found you. You know, he's around 12 years old, and we were so worried about, you know, Jesus, just so as calm as he could be. He's like, Well, I'm just being about my father's business. I'm having a great time. Come on, sit down. Let's be about the father's business. Please bow your heads. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for this, the the, the reminder and the lesson from this text. And even though there are some, you know, so, sometimes this is one of those things where we just have to reread to make sure we understand. But Lord, we know that we need to be about your business. We need to measure success by the success that works for the kingdom. Now, Lord, we know you're not opposed for us being successful here or having things here, but Lord, let's put the things in the correct mindset that you've you've allowed us to have it. You've entrusted us to have those things so that we could use it for your kingdom, not, not just for ourselves. Because, Lord, I confess that all that I am and all that you've given me is yours. And Lord, I, I, I ask that we we will just be faithful managers. That we will be faithful stewards of, of that. Of all that you've blessed us with. Lord, that we will be doing the work. That you've called us to do, that we will be finding ways and being strategic in ways to look for how we can reach and teach, so that all may hear the good news of of Jesus Christ. That those who who are, are maybe suffering and 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 maybe they've just have taken their eyes off of you. Lord, they can be refreshed. They can be renewed. They can be revived. And know that you you never left them. And you're sending them out. Lord, I pray that you will just allow our hearts to be hearts that beats for you. Let our thoughts be thoughts that of what can we do for you and your kingdom. How can we serve you? And Lord, forgive us if there's ever been times that we've allowed ourselves to be a lot of talk but not a lot of walk. Lord, allow us just to be the person that you have desired for us to be. Working and planted in the place that you have put us you are our Lord you are God you are our Savior thank you for all that you've done for us and in Jesus name we pray everyone says Amen